Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Andy Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to share seven battle verses for overcoming any sin. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over a decade. And so far, we have four young children. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over seven years through blogging and social media. With the desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe that Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God. Together. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Before we jump into anything, Aaron and I would just like to uh, invite you to leave a review. This is um, just a really great way uh, to get the podcast known by others. Like, right? That it's how... Um, people become familiar with the Marriage After God podcast and and how well it's doing. So we just wanted to invite you guys, if you have time to um, to leave us a review. You can leave a star rating review or a comment review or both. Also, we love to give you guys free things. And one of those free things that we made for you guys is a date night conversation starter ebook. Uh, it's 52 date night starter questions. And what it does is it allows you on your next date night or the next 52 date nights to have a conversation around a specific topic on growing as a couple uh, toward God's mission for your life. And so we want you to get that download for free. It's datenightconversations.com. That's datenightconversations.com. Completely free. Uh, go download that resource and uh, yeah, enjoy the next 52 date nights on us. Not not the cost of them, just the conversations. Speaking of date night, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and she was just uh, talking about her desire to want to build her friendship up with her husband. And immediately I start thinking of ideas that I can share with her. And I, and I just asked her, I started with date night and I said, do you guys have like regular date nights planned? And she was like, no. And so I just want to encourage everyone, you know, you, you mentioned date night conversation starters. I just want to encourage everyone listening right now to be cultivating friendship in marriage. It's so important. Mm-hmm. It's so vital that you guys are getting to know each other. And these conversation starters are, are a great way to do that because um, really it's th- throughout, through the conversation of a husband and wife that they get to know each other um, and, and enjoy that experience. Yeah. And sometimes so. we don't know how to make those date nights deeper and more meaningful. Uh, cause you know, 
the monotony of the day and the years and the weeks go by. And sometimes we just need something to help us refocus. And a lot of, and all these questions are focused around spiritual things, what God's doing, where he's taking us, what his vision for our life is, what, what, where we see God taking us and how we can join him in what he's doing. And, uh, yeah. So again, date night conversations.com. You should definitely take advantage of those. And like Jennifer said, if you're not having a regular date night, or at least having a regular date night on the calendar so that you ha- have them more often, uh, you should definitely put that on the calendar. Do it, prioritize it. And if for whatever reason you can't make it to that date, uh, make sure that you use the conversation starters in bed that night and just still, yeah, you, do you know. Bed night dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, the topic today is, uh, it's seven battle verses for overcoming any sin. And it could sound very like, like um, pithy, like here's these like, you know, short little things to just like, defeat those temptations. And um, we actually think they're stronger than that. This isn't just, you know, they're not actually single verses. <laughs> I was going to say, you're getting a little bit more than seven. Kate. Yeah. Jennifer's like, I thought there was supposed <laughs> to be seven verses. Like I couldn't, I had to do the whole chapter. Um, but we're, we have some verses to um, we're use highlight. <laughs> anchor verses yeah. to remind you where to go to. Um, but you know what? The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through the bone and the marrow. It, it pierces even to the soul. And it's the thing that transforms us and changes us. And so as Christians, uh, there's, there's nothing more powerful in a Christian's life than the word. It's actually, there's nothing more powerful in anyone's life than the word of God. The word of God is what brings faith to people that, that, that in, um, invigorates them to um, crave salvation and then find salvation and then receive salvation. The word of God does all of that. So, in the believer's life, when we lean and meditate on the word of God, it washes our minds, it renews our minds, it helps us to think differently, act differently, be different. Um, and so uh, we want to give you some anchor verses for when you are walking through those times of temptation, because we all are tempted. And they we'll all talk come. About that. They all, yep. They will always come. Um, so, you know, how do we deal with those as believers? Well, we, we run to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And we we let our minds be changed. So real quick, Aaron, I just want to jump in and say, um, as we're going through these verses, of course, they're for you guys listening. And uh, we hope that these anchor verses just um, really inspire you to defeat sin in your life and yeah. help you with that. But I also want, we want to encourage you to um, consider these anchor verses as a way to encourage your spouse. So oh, think about point, your yeah. spouse when we're when we're going through these. Um, maybe even write them out so that when you know that your your spouse is struggling with sin or they come to you and confide in you, you have something to give them. You're equipped to equip them, and so hopefully mm-hmm. we can look at this two ways for ourselves, but also for our spouse. Yeah, and I also want to highlight one more thing before we move on to the the scriptures is. Uh, it could feel easy sometimes to think of this in a, you know, quote unquote legalistic, like, oh, you know, we're not saved by, you know, not sinning, you know, because we're all sinners and we're saved by grace, not by works, but by grace so that no man may boast. And so I want to remind us that this is not a conversation about how to be saved, that we walk perfectly and we, and we walk holy and that's how God's going to receive us. No, this is a conversation about, no, the believer is already saved and being sanctified, but it's through the knowledge of the word of God that we are more and more sanctified and we walk in more and more holiness. And we'll talk about that. And so the desire is that we hate our sin more and more mm-hmm. the same way God hates 
our sin because the sin destroys us and God wants us to have life and life more abundant, not destruction and death. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a conversation about how the believer walks strong, how the believer is empowered, how the believer is and is no longer, uh, enslaved to sin the way we once were before Christ. So, but that those temptations still come and we mm-hmm. need to be ready and yep. um, prepared to overcome it. Yeah. So uh, even before we get into our seven main anger verses, I want to bring up just, I want to want to talk about the correct perspective on sin in the Christian's life, because I think um, I grew up thinking this, this way and we've heard it over and over again. And I, I, I hope I don't mess it up, but the idea is like, oh, we're just a sinner saved by grace, which is true. We are sinners saved by grace. But it doesn't give permission to keep right. on sinning. It, 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 usually in my own life, I would repeat that in my heart after I've sinned and said, oh, well, you know what? At least I'm, you know, we're all sinners and I'm just going to keep doing it. It was wrong thinking. Yes, we were sinners and we have a sin nature, but you know what? The spirit of God has defeated that in us and allows us now when we walk in the spirit to not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's what the Bible teaches us. So I want to read first John chapter one. I'm going to read a handful of verses. So bear with me. First John chapter one, five through 10. And then we're going to go into the next verse on chapter two says this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we, fi- we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then in chapter two, verse one, it says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So there's a ton in this and it could sound very confusing because it's saying not sin, but uh, you know, and we're, we're cleansed from all sins. But if we say we don't have sin, we're liars. And reality what it is, is this is the crux of the gospel is recognizing first and foremost that we are sinners in need of a savior, that I'm not sinless. And a lot of people that don't receive the gospel because they think they think oh, I'm good enough. Like, well, I'm not a bad person. I don't, I don't sin like some other people there. That's, it's a lie that they believe that they actually don't need a savior. So in the believer's life, we are constantly reminded like, man, I need a savior. I, I am a sinner. I have these temptations. I have this flesh that's constantly uh, craving and desiring things that are not of the Lord. Right? So this is a sober way of thinking about ourselves. If I think even now, like as I'm, we're walking in sanctification, if I think like, no, nah, I'm good. I got it all figured out. That's pride. And I'm going to fall. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, oh, see, you know what? I'm, we're all sinning. I'm just going to keep sinning because look what it says right there. I'm a liar if I say I don't sin. But that, that's not what this is talking about. This is showing that Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins and that we need to recognize that he has done that because we have sin and are sinners, but he has cleansed us. And then it says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So it's saying, I want you to know that you don't have to sin even though you have a sin nature, you have a new nature given to you. And then he says, but you know what? When we as believers choose to, to sin, guess what? 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And that is just so awesome. So it shows this, the reality of the, of the, the Christian walking in a dead flesh towards rejuvenation, towards mm-hmm. regeneration in the spirit. That's just the reality is mm-hmm. there are going to be days in our weakness, in our um, selfishness, and our pride, we are going to choose to sin. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about this, but I, I just wanted to first set up the correct perspective for a believer is it's not just, I never sin and I'm perfect, holy, and you can't talk to me about sin because I don't have sin. And it's also not, oh, I'm just a sin over here and I'm just going to keep sinning and I'm enslaved to sin and nothing I can do. Praise God, he's saved me because I can't ever stop sinning. It's neither of those things. Mm-hmm. It's, I understand I have a sin nature, therefore I need to be that all the more diligent walking in the spirit and walking towards God because I, I choose God, not sin. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the foundation as we go into these other scriptures to help us in this battle against the spirit and the flesh, uh, to, to show us who we are in Christ, what the truth is and how we can walk in that truth. Yeah. I love that you like lay that foundation, um, up front. I also just want to point out and remind everyone that we have a real enemy who hates us because he's against, he opposes God. He opposes the image of God, which is he opposes the image of God. And he wants his desire for us is to be disobedient to God. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to tempt us. It's going to happen. And speaking of temptation, that's the first uh, verse we're going to talk about. Okay, let's get into it. Temptation. <laughs> um, it's in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. It says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's talking about the Israelites when they're walking through the wilderness after Egypt. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the, in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that, flo- that followed them and the, rock was, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Which is, this is just a heavy <laughs> topic in itself. He just, show, he, what he's showing is, the Israelites, after being saved from Egypt, after being saved from Pharaoh, after going through the Red Sea, after seeing all of, or uh, yeah, after Red Sea and seeing all of these miracles and God feeding with manna and be, drinking from the water coming from the rock, some of them still fell, right? So they saw all this power, but he's going to explain what he's talking about. Verse six, now these things took place as examples for us. Oh, so those things that happened were an example to us Christians today, that we might not desire evil as they did, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction. So we're, what, he, what Paul's saying is we are to learn mm-hmm. from what happened to the, the Israelites. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So we, we are the ones on whom the end of the ages have come. Jesus has entered into the world. Hey, Marriage After God family. 
Uh, we wanted to take a short moment to let you know about an organization that we believe in and support. Did you know that there are more than 4 million victims of sex trafficking globally, and 99% of those are women and children? As a Christian and as a father, this truth breaks my heart. What if those were my children? What if that was my wife? Thank God there are Christ-centered organizations out there that are making a difference. Destiny Rescue is an international recognized Christian nonprofit organization dedicated to rescuing children trapped in exploitation and the sex trade. Their vision is to rescue the sexually exploited and enslaved, restore the abused, protect the vulnerable, empower the poor, and be a voice for those who can't speak up for themselves. They currently work in seven countries around the world and have celebrated over 4,000 lives rescued from the evils of sex exploitation. Destiny Rescue has operations in Thailand, Cambodia, the Dominican Republic, and the Philippines, India, and other locations that remain undisclosed for security purposes. Since 2011, they've been working tirelessly to free children from exploitation around the world. They have helped keep hundreds more from entering the sex trade through the various prevention programs, ensured justice for those who have been wronged, and raised awareness to untold numbers. My family supports Destiny Rescue on a monthly basis, and we want to invite you to join us in saving and protecting children from this wicked industry. Visit destinyrescue.org today and become a monthly partner with us. Thank you. We, we are the ones on whom the end of the ages have come. <laughs> Jesus has entered into the world, died, rose again. We're in the church age. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The, this is the season that this is for, what Paul's talking about. In verse 13, this is the, the one I want you to focus on. This is the anchor verse from this whole section. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So he's reminding us like all these things that the Israelites dealt with. He's like, I don't want you to do these things because we're tempted to do these things. Grumble, sexual morality, uh, you know, all, all, eat and drink and play like the, the hedonistic lifestyle. That These are things that we natural in our flesh desire. He says, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. And then it says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's powerful. That's a pretty like strong statement because a lot of believers, I believe this in my own uh, sexual addictions and struggles and sin, I actually believed I couldn't get out from the temptation. Yeah, that part where it says, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. I think there's a lot of people, and I've I've thought this way, and like you said, you've thought this way, that that it is bigger than you. And you have no control. But you have no control over it. Yeah, it's but, stronger than you. But this says the contrary. It says God is faithful. First of all, just get, know, God is that. faithful. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But you... But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, mm. meaning not give in right. to the temptation. We're all tempted mm -hmm. by many various things. And none of those temptations are uncommon. They're all common to man. He just told us the Israelites fell because of these temptations and they gave in to them. And he says, not with you, you believers, you Holy Spirit filled people. You, God's going to give you a way of escape every single time. This actually, just real quick, a side note, this verse gets a lot taken out of context a lot. And people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Mm. That's actually not what the Bible says. Because <laughs> there's plenty of things that you can just read stories in the Bible. that are like, well, how did they handle that? Like that are so overwhelming, so insane. But this says, no temptation will overwhelm you. Mm. that you will be able to overcome any temptation with the way of escape that the Lord provides for you mm. every single time. Now, remember the context I gave with first John, 
when we choose to sin, we have a, we have a advocate with the father. So I'm not, I don't want to be here to, to make anyone feel condemned. And we're going to talk about condemnation a little bit, but I do want to remind us that this is truth. So when, for the, when those lies come, when you are being tempted, when those lies come that, you know, you, you hear those, those things, you can't beat like, this, you can't beat this or yeah, you're going to, you're going to give in anyways. Yep. Eventually you will, you know, that you gotta, you gotta be able to fight those with this truth. And I want to go into one more topic on temptation. I actually used to give in to sin because I would believe this lie that the enemy would speak to me is, well, you've already been tempted. You've already had these thoughts. You already want this. You might as well just finish. Mm. Like, you might as well just fulfill. You might as well just go all the way. It's like you've already sinned just thinking about it. Just thinking about it just and desiring it. Because mm. the temptation is, it, you, you won't, it's nothing's tempting that you don't already desire, right? Mm. The Bible tells us that that temptation comes from within our, our own desires. So, I would feel convicted already. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, the fact that I even want this and I'm like, you know, everything's like raging in my body because I want something that's sinful. You might as well just follow through. And then the enemy's like, well, you already like, you might as well. Mm-hmm. Like you already feel guilty. But that was not, I, I had, the temptation is not the sin. And this is what I wanted to break a lie on. I know a lot of people probably feel this way. Temptation's not sin. Okay. And God doesn't tempt us. It says in James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So God never tempts us, but with every temptation, he gives us a way of escape. So he doesn't do the tempting, but he gives us a way of escape. What a good God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, secondly, oh, and also he believes mm-hmm. in us mm-hmm. to escape. Not just like, well, you failed again. It sucks for you. <laughs> he, he gives us the way of escape and believes we will and can because of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, and then the other part I love about this, Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way or in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Guess who that's talking about? Jesus. Yeah, so <laughs> he was tempted in every way. So if temptation's sin, then Jesus is a sinner and he's not, but he was tempted in every way and yet without sin. So brothers, sisters, we can be tempted and not sin. Mm. I can have, I can have a temptation for something that's not of God. And I can, in that moment, actually walk in the spirit and choose not to fulfill that craving. It's actually, if you think about um, fasting from food, that's like the most natural craving a body has. You Mm -hmm. have to, you actually have to eat to survive. And the Bible even says like, well, we can control that also. Like, and that's actually the spiritual practice of fasting is, is controlling your flesh Mm -hmm. saying flesh. I know you're hungry and you're so hungry that you're like stomach, my stomach hurts. And, but no, I'm going to not, I'm going to choose to do something contrary to what my flesh wants. Mm -hmm. That's actually what self-control is called. (laughs) That's what self-control is. So a couple of things, temptation is not sin. Every temptation, God will provide a way of escape. Every single time for the believer, 100% of the time, this is truth. Jesus can sympathize with us because he's been tempted every way, okay? But without sin. So um, when that verse in Corinthians, you know, really started um, helping you as you held on to that as an anchor of truth in Mm -hmm. your heart, um, can you share some examples of ways of escape that God provided for you just to give our listeners an idea of what those ways might look like. And I'm sure it'll look different for everyone in every situation, but. 
I would say to keep their eyes open. What is that for me specifically? And I know a lot of men that probably might, and maybe even women with the whole pornography thing. Oftentimes it's my, um, non self-control of my mind Mm -hmm. and actions. Mm -hmm. So I'm not thinking through everything, which allowed me to quote unquote, stumble upon things often more often than I could have, should have. So in considering this verse and thinking about it and praying about it and saying, okay, Lord, show me the ways out. I actually got, became more and more sensitive to hearing the spirit say, you know why you're about to click on that. Mm. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I do. So yielding to the spirit before you even get. Yeah. Before getting to that spot of Mm. being uh, like it feeling so uncontrollable, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Before activating all of those things in me that make me desire that. Um, and, and it's actually, it's gets more and more sensitive. It used to be so dull mm-hmm. because I wasn't practicing or listening or thinking about the truth at all. Mm-hmm. I just believed the lie that, Oh, I'm just gonna, that it was that much easier for me to choose to sin every single time mm-hmm. because I'm like, Oh, you know, I was just doing my normal thing and that, it, it came out of nowhere mm-hmm. when in reality, I wasn't being aware. I wasn't being self-controlled. And I know the things that I do that are going to somehow, some way in a roundabout way, show me what I want to see. So the Holy Spirit in just considering this started revealing to me like, no, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you want to click on that? You're choosing that. So it's really good. Um, th- one of the first things that I thought of when I asked you that question about a way of escape is, I, does this happen to me? I don't know if it's happened to you or anyone listening, but um, you know, you're being tempted and you're at that, that point where you're deciding whether or not you're going to move forward and sin mm-hmm. and the phone rings and it's a friend or family member yep. and someone's trying to get a hold of you and they don't know what you're in the middle of wrestling with. Yeah. And they have their, yeah, they have their uh, own agenda, but, <laughs> but they love you. And they, and, and I feel like there's been many times where that was my way of escape. And I saw it just as that it was mm-hmm. a gift. And um, that's just one, one way that I've seen a way of escape. I don't know if there's any more that we can give our listeners to um, be aware of. Well, for me, there's often been times there's something I should be doing, but instead I'm choosing sin mm. um, or I'm being tempted. And so I could, but oftentimes those I'll be, it'll come to my mind like, oh, I should be doing this other thing. Mm. And so I could choose in that moment be like, I'm just going to go do that other thing. Mm. Um, or do what uh, uh, Joseph did when uh, Potiphar's wife. Run. Yeah, just run. <laughs> just get up and go. Get up and go outside and sit in the front yard. That's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, from whatever that temptation is, pick up the phone and call somebody like, hey, what's going on? I'm just... Often, oftentimes the way of escape is is a door. <laughs> go out your front yeah. door. Just just leave. <laughs> but but I, I feel like there's, there's just got to be, going back to my original point is, believing this to be true in the first place mm-hmm. and then in those temptations, earnestly looking for the, the way out because mm-hmm. the Lord's going to, he's going to prompt your heart. He's going to yeah. prick your spirit and say, you, this isn't, you know, you don't want to do this mm-hmm. or that's not who you are, or you, you know what you're about to do and just recognize that you're choosing this. And, you, and you, that means you're choosing to go against me. Yeah. That's what the spirits reminded me. And it like makes it harder and harder and harder and harder to choose those sins over and over and over again. Yeah. So when the Lord prompts your heart in that way to guide you and you, and you choose him over sin, you become even more sensitive to him. But what happens when you, you keep going the other way, keep going the other way. You do what I did and you your believe heart. the lie and you, you sear your conscience, yeah, which your the word, heart, I, your word, heart gets hard. Yep. You actually, it's, it's harder for you to hear the, what the spirit's saying to you. Mm-hmm. So let's go on to number two. And this is a, the opposite of a lie. 
Okay, so there, a lot of these are like the the fixing of lies that we believe about sin. Um, for the believer, I actually believed that I was still a slave to sin, even though I was saved. I actually believed I was still a slave, that I had no power over it, that this thing in my life was in control. Mm. And it's a complete lie. So listen to this, Cha- Romans chapter six. The whole chapter? <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Not unfortunately, this is a good chapter. Romans <laughs> chapter six. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Mm. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin." So that's one anchor verse you should grab. That's an extra one, but verse six. So verse seven says this, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. That's what I did. <laughs> I let it reign in my body and make, made me obey it. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves, these are the verses 16 and 17, are your anchor verses for this this um, section. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, as Christians, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit would what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that's so good. I'm glad you read the whole thing. I know. I couldn't. I I could have pulled the one verse out. No but way. Like the whole context of that, it, he's saying he's like Christ died to sin for all. Mm-hmm. And we are raised with him. And so here's the lie I want to break. You are not a slave to sin. You were once a slave to sin, mm-hmm. but are now a slave to righteousness. So that, that's a, a simple one. Just go back to Romans 6 and, and, and meditate on Romans 6 because it is true for the believer that we, newness, newness of life. We get the life that Christ was raised to have, we get in our mortal bodies. 
do you want to, um, just because that was such a big chunk, do you want to go over 16 and se- um, 17 and 18? So it's Romans 6, 17 and 18 that are the anchor verses. Yeah, and it's, it's this. It says, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So first of all, a part of this is um, adhering to the standard of teaching mm-hmm. in our heart so that we, we read the word and we say, oh, this is true. I believe it which is how salvation works. We believe what God said. So if God wrote this, which he did, I believe it. So, so, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. So not once in the future when you are set free. Nope, we <laughs> are set free. So I remember you giving a picture um, a while ago. I don't know if we've shared it on the podcast, but um, you always associated your sin and how you how you dealt with it as like being like a lion in a cage except that when you realized being a christian meant that the cage is open but you still were just sitting inside the cage well the where there once was a cage there is no cage mm. uh, a good example of this and you can probably look up you know stories of how this works people have used it a lot in different analogies but the way um circus people would train elephants when they were babies so that they wouldn't run away. And because once they're huge, you can't control them. It's a big animal. Yeah, it's a big animal. So when they're babies, they would tie a a little tiny string around its leg, tie it to a tent peg, and it can't get free from that Mm because it's so small. And as it got bigger, the string would get smaller, it would get longer. Eventually it's large enough and there's no string and all there is is a tent peg. But the elephant thinks it's still tied to the tent peg because it was always tied to the tent peg. Mm -hmm. That's how I lived. I actually thought I was still tied to the tent peg. I thought I was still in the prison. But what Jesus did on the cross and what he gave me through his spirit mm-hmm. blew up the prison. And I'm literally sitting there flooded with light and the bonds on my wrists are gone and I'm sitting there on the ground like, oh, what was me? Mm. I wish I could be free. Mm. And I was free. I just had to get up and walk. <laughs> and so that's our encouragement is you're not you're not a slave to sin. And if, you're, if, the, if you think you are, you're believing a lie. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, we just uh, wanted to take a minute and just let you know that this episode went a lot longer than we thought it would, um, but we are actually really encouraged by that and we hope you are too. So what we're going to do is continue this series next week. So this will be a two-part episode and we're really excited about that and we hope that you would join us for that. And if your spouse wasn't able to join us on this first half, we just want to encourage you to set time aside next week to listen with them. We think that would be a really great uh, opportunity for you guys to finish out these battle verses and go over them together. So we just wanted to um, let you know that this was a unique kind of situation for us, but we're excited to dig into um, the last few anchor verses with you next week. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. 
We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.